Are you dreaming of a summer mini break? Do you need some quality beach time or maybe just a quiet cocktail and an infinity pool? Which destinations are on your travel wish list? Grab your sunglasses and a floppy hat and let's talk travel. Yes, welcome everyone to Wondercast. Nicola McGareth here. We're not claiming to be travel experts, but we're definitely travel enthusiasts and we're workshopping options for the months ahead. Well, let's kick things off with what makes a great summer vacation. Everyone has their own version of a perfect summer vacation. Nicola, how would you describe your ideal summer vacation? Well, I think it's changed over the years and now at the vast age I've reached, I'm thinking I want views, I want warmth, I want markets, I want somewhere where I can drink chilled wine and have a look at the world go by. So it's not really a place, it's kind of... It's It's a vibe, we're just talking about vibes. It's a vibe. Are you thinking pool or beach? Beach. There's, right. there's something delicious, isn't there, about looking out across the sea? What about you, Jim? Hearing about those you? waves rolling in. I do like a beach. I like feeling the sand on my body. I like, you know, I do, but I quite like the pool-beach combination where, you know, you can maybe start the day by the pool and then head to the beach, put on a sarong, you're good to go. <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> and what about adventure? Are you looking for adventure on a holiday? I don't like to do stuff. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I like the idea of doing things, but just that whole getting up at the crack of dawn to climb the volcano, that's not for me. You, you send me the photo and I'll just report back poolside. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure about that, G. I just think, you know, you need to get out and do stuff. And I, oh, I've got my dog now, so I'm thinking of holidays where I'm going to go, park up, get out and explore. I think that'd be fantastic. I mean, that doesn't actually fit with the chilled white wine at the beach. <laughs> exactly. I know that. Yeah. I know. I'm not saying You're it's going to make sense. a woman of contradictions. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm i quite happy with a, a solo holiday, Gareth. I'm, I'm well, not... you're talking about the dog. I mean, the dog is the ideal solo holiday because you've got company, but they don't talk too much. Yeah. I don't mind, you know, a friend's holiday, but I don't want a friend's holiday the whole time because that's quite a different energy. You've got to be like out late at night, you know, and that's cool. So I like having variations. Every holiday I like it to be a bit different. Yeah, no, I get that. I think the ideal scenario would be let's have somebody come visit for a few days of the holiday. And then the rest of it, Sweet. you just, you know, you're just hanging out by the pool or wandering down to the beach. I love all that. I, and yeah, I, I'm in Barcelona for a month. Come by for a weekend. Absolutely. Are you actually asking me that, Gareth? Because I will be there for the weekend. If you ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> what have been some of your favorite summer vacations? Well, mine have been like the big ones. Like we went traveling uh, and that whole, the pace is... The pace is so much different, isn't it? When you've got no end to your holiday. So you've got three, six, eight months. So there's no, you're not looking at your watch. You don't even know what day it is. You're you're pretty lucky if you know what month it is. No, and true, I, but would you call that a summer holiday? That's more like, that's a, that's the adventure gap year oh, like expedition, really? isn't it? I'm sad that you said that. Cause I think I'm, just, that... No, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's perhaps not quite on topic. Okay, no, all right, Nicola, control yourself. I'm coming back. All right, all right. So holidays with my girlfriends. I've done, you know, a couple of city breaks. Nice. I like city breaks. We went to Barcelona. We enjoyed the shopping. We enjoyed the beach. I've been to Spain. We had down to La Cala down in South Spain, which is nice with the with my girls, my my 
my daughters and that's really nice you know I've enjoyed those I I'm a, I'm a bit of a camper I know you're not I know you're going to turn your nose up at that no I love camping do you well yeah well, I don't go camping, but I like the idea of camping. Oh, but... well, well, if you don't go camping, you don't like camping, do you? So I like camping, I like, and I particularly like those ones when you go down to France and the tents are set up. You know, that's my idea. Glamping, some would call that. That is glamping. Right. I'm now redoing my answer and telling you I like glamping. What, what about what about you? What are you, what are your best summers? I don't know. One of my really good ones was to Iceland, um, which sounds counterintuitive to, for a summer destination, but it was in summer and the weather was amazing. And obviously it doesn't get dark. It's just light the entire time. And everyone goes a bit mental just because it is light the whole time. And it was just somewhere completely different to other stuff I'd done before. It was like ticked a lot of boxes, actually. It was very good. I'd love to go there, but whenever anybody mentions Iceland, everybody purses their lips and says, oh, expensive, don't they? Actually, not as expensive as you think. Hello, oh. we live in the UK, one of the most expensive countries in the world. So, no, no, it's really doable. Totally doable. Okay. All right. I'm liking that. I might put that on my list. What about um, any summer vacation disasters? Anything that's gone terrible? Any sunburn catastrophes? Oh, Yes. Now, I am very pale. You're lucky, podcast listener, because you can't actually see that. But I'm very pale. And we went to France once, uh, two girlfriends and myself. We headed off down there. And I f we had too much to drink. I fell asleep in the sun the next day, woke up, I mean, like a lizard. It was my whole chest, my face. It was like scaly. It was absolutely terrifying. And it just so happened that that night we went out and met these chaps who, who were lovely, lovely boys, really nice. But of course, nobody wanted to speak to me because I looked like an absolute... <laughs> just glowing red. <laughs> oh, it was ghastly. It, it, was, it was worse than red. It was, it was literally like, you know, like mud when it dries up and it... Oh, dear. Terrible. The, the aloe vera is only going to go so far. Yeah. Around, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't... I'd have to bathe in aloe vera for a fortnight. It wasn't going to work. Yeah, so that was my worst one. Can you beat that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I always get really bad tan lines. Like, you always, I like the idea of, like, getting a bit bronzed and, like, looking really glowing and healthy. But I get bad tan lines, weird burns in odd places. Like, I was in Sitges just over Easter, which was, and the weather was really good. And obviously it's naked beaches there, which is fabulous. But I just got burnt in places you really don't want to get burnt. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Were they just, are they naked beaches really just everywhere, are they? Uh, well, no, there's two. Uh, so there's, you've been to Sitges recently? No, um, I've never been. What? Ne how have you never been to Sitges? It's one of my favourite places on earth. Really? It's just near Barcelona. You go to Barcelona all the time. Yeah, I know. But I, I think I'm just too, too busy on the beach. I know I haven't been, but I I, oh. I I will go. I will go. No, no, it's fab. It's like an old sort of Spanish seaside resort town. So it's not like it's not like your Malaga side of things. It's It feels a bit more you know, old sort of Spanish kind of... I'm going to explain that very well. But there are, um, there's a main beach sort of in the town, which is, you know, not clothing optional, really. And then there's a beach sort of at either end, both of which are clothing optional. So, yeah, it's fun. Do you think... I'm not sure that anybody needs to see a 52-year-old woman's naked body on the beach. I think that's all of your internalised misogyny and you need to workshop that. I need to workshop that or drastically lose a stone and a half before I go. <laughs> what about summer destinations that are on your wish list right now? What are you thinking... 
it's the top of your travel agenda thinking, oh, if I could just book something in, this is where I'm going to go. Okay, I've got two completely different ones. Okay, so camper van with the dog. With the dog. Lake District. Nice. Travelling around, stop-ins, little perks. Quality. Lovely. Yeah. Or India. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's that's an adventure, isn't it? Like, yes. Because you've been to India before, haven't you? No, mm. you see, that's why. Ah. I, I am determined to go to India before I decay. And I just think that that will be a, a, a trip of a lifetime. And I think, you know, spice markets and sunsets and local voices, yeah. I, I, I that would be a dream. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I like that one. Yeah. You know, I'm in education, so I get a good old six weeks holiday. No, gee, you've got the time. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking about that. But, I, I, you know. I also, it's a big place, isn't it? You'd probably want to pick a... F- you're not going to do the whole thing, are you? So it's like, how do you prioritise what you do within somewhere like India? Yes. But, yeah. And there's plenty of guidance about it. Have you done it? Have you been to India? No, never. I'll no. come with you. It'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> You and me and we'll smuggle in the dog. Yeah, no, I think, but I, so realistically, I think the Lake District is slightly, <laughs> Lake is, District is, is probably going to slightly more likely to happen. <laughs> Will I see you at the Lake District or are you going further afield? Uh, no, well, I have booked just uh, this week. Um, it's, this will sound weird, but it's a boat trip through the Greek islands. But it's a gay naked boat trip. Shut um, up! No, I'm not, I'm not making this up, and I'm not Im- I'm not uh, I'm not embarrassed or nervous about. It. I'm just like because I haven't done it before. I'm a bit uncertain as to exactly how does it work, kind of thing. So I've got like lots of questions, and I'm intrigued because it starts in Athens and you end up in Mykonos, and it's like seven days on a boat. And it sounds kind of amazing. And it's the kind of thing I've wanted to do it for a couple of years. And because I, I interviewed them, the people who run it a couple of years ago, and I thought that sounds really cool. Um, and so, given the roller coaster we've had over the last few years, I'm kind of in that mood where if I can do it, I'm going to do it. So, let's not put things off. Let's just book things and get things done. No, I love that. I love that about you. But <laughs> I have got questions. So, hold tight. So, you're going on a boat. So, do you yeah. know how many other people will be on the boat? I think it's possibly like 12 or 16. It's not big. Uh, so it's 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 like a catamaran. Maybe it's like a, it comes with a skipper. And I'm going to say 12 or 16. It's like that sort of size group. And is it a, a singles trip? or could oh, it- Not necessarily, but you do share a room. So I'm going by myself. Um, I So I will be sharing a room with someone I don't know. Yeah. And, and what stops this lovely trip around the island just becoming like an orgy well i guess it could do that um but it's not sold as that it's more just it's more like a naturist kind of let's just be relaxed and hang out and swim and yeah it's it's not pitched as a sex craze it's not okay okay oh i think that sounds fabulous in fact, there was a thing in the Sunday t- Saturday Times this week about the Greek islands that nobody knows about but should go to. So I've cut that out. I've been to like three Greek islands. I've got a lot of islands to go. So yeah. this is a one way of ticking a few off, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, oh, I think it's great. There was like a list of 20 or so, none of which I'd heard of. So I just think that's a lovely thing to do, don't you? That's what I've booked it. Yeah, no, good for you, G. Good for you. All right, great. So lots of photos, but all from the waist up, please. <laughs> now, I guess a lot of our perceptions about what makes a good vacation are shaped by our experiences growing up. Nicola, what were summer holidays like when you were growing up? Oh, uh, 
we were really lucky, you know. Mum and dad are farmers, so dad was out and busy day in, day out. So we had like a three-week summer holiday and it was the best. We'd go down to France. We'd, we'd go down in the camper van to France and set up in that one of those already done tents. And it wasn't glamping. It was like a Euro, Euro like camp, a, I think it was called. Yeah, not cabins, but pretty much cabins kind of like, yeah. And, and we would just be under the pine trees, you know, waking up, it smelled like you had like 12 Joe Malone candles burning and it was just, just nature at its best. And we'd just be out all day on the beach, you know, walking through the forests. And then I remember in the evening, mum used to give us a saucepan and say, right, go up and get the chips. And you'd go to this little cafe and you'd just take your saucepan, they'd just fill it with little French frites and you'd bring, oh, it was bliss. It was bliss, it was bliss, Gareth, it was lovely. Fabulous, yeah. So once a year, that was our holiday, but I've just got such sweet memories about it. Whereas I expect yours were very different, were they? Uh, not hugely. We did do a little bit of camping. We went to, because we went to um, uh, the Grampians and also in South Australia, that whole, what was that Wilpina Pound, all that sort of area. We did that quite a few times. But every summer we used to go down to the beach. We went to... Uh, we always hired the same house for some reason and we always went to Skeens Creek, which is next to Apollo Bay on the Great Ocean Road. Oh, so, I know. yeah. You know, just like weeks on the beach there, which was fun. Like that's a really nice way to spend summer. Yeah. What was the last family holiday that you went on? Like as a family with your parents, we're going on a family holiday. We went to Devon. Oh, nice. We hired a house. Well, Dad hired a house. Fairly recently, that is. Then, yeah, so. yeah. And and it was great. It was it was. It's a real pin in a page, isn't it, when you choose one of those houses? You know, we had to, there were lots of us. We got a big extended family, as you know, and we all piled down there. And it was there was a pool, hooray! But when we got there, the pool was slightly manky, and <laughs> the electrics were slightly frazzled. So we were all a bit concerned about that. But I mean, it was lovely. It's just a different. It's just different now, isn't it? Where you know you're pre- preparing food, and the food becomes quite central to everything. And it's herding lots of people around. And so it's different. I, I you know, I I love it. But you come back from one of those trips and you think, God, I need a holiday. So Yeah, you're almost in charge of making sure everyone's having a good time, which is a different energy completely. Yeah, absolutely. You go home exhausted. But, you know, I, I definitely have got the fact that, you know, if we're all sitting around a table and the generations are laughing with each other. You can't ask for much more than that, can you? No, job done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think that's lovely. Do you think your experiences of family holidays have, like when you were a child growing up, do you think that's influenced the way that you organised family holidays as a parent? Yeah, mine were different because um, I was a single mum from quite, you know, I divorced when the children were very young. So our holidays have been very, you know, the, the three of us heading out together and I, I miss that. I miss that, you know, like you've got a busy working father and then there's this quality time with, and I miss, I do, I, f- I felt bad that I didn't give that to the children really. Um, but I try to make up for it by being an all singing and all dancing mum. <laughs> so the wish they tell you multitasking. What, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wanted them to have experience and I'm pushing them to travel all of the time. You know, the girls are at university now and I think, I think why would we not want to see a bit of the world before we settle down to work? And I'm I'm pushing that, and I and I do that. I you know I come across a, a lot of children at work because I, I teach, 
and all about that aspiration raising to go traveling and and I think well listen I'm not saying traveling to, to Africa I'm just saying get down to Tembe and see the beach you know these kids have not left baby steps <laughs> yeah well they haven't left their town you know that they live in and I think uh-huh. I think that what you can learn from being away is just it's just enormous and it's important now, one of the great things about travel, but also one of the most challenging is that it can put you into unfamiliar situations. And one of the most obvious examples of that is when you're visiting somewhere where you don't speak the language. Nick, do you like putting your language skills to the test when you're on a vacation? Yes, I do. And, <laughs> Short and, answer, yes. <laughs> yes. Now, listen, I'm not a great linguist and I'm okay at Spanish. So when we go to Spain, I try desperately to speak to locals in Spanish and they just kind of grimace and speak back in English (laughs) at a you know a much better level but I think it's important I'm always the one with a nerdy little phrase book in my hand when we go anywhere and you know I went traveling through uh, South America and I took I, I took it very seriously and I tried to learn but of course you come back and you forget and I haven't had any disasters with my language have you have you had any trials that went wrong uh I always just embarrass myself, I think, because I'm getting I'm getting worse at languages the older I get, I think. So I'm now just sort of revert to doing a weird European accent speaking English, so, <laughs> but I don't have a ticket. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, no, it's not convincing anyone. <laughs> it's the way you shrug it. If everybody could see the way you're shrugging your shoulders and putting your it's arms out. It's a bit of a European and, shrug. Yeah. will get you yeah. a long way, I always think. We went to, we the... went to France. Oh, sorry, G. I'm no, just going to say we went to France with mum and dad when we were little big deal for us, you know, to go to Paris for the first time. And we were, we said, right, at the very least, now we're going to park the car. And because uh, we were on the way down to the to the tent. And so we're going to park the car where we're going to look for the big sites of Paris. So we looked and looked for the Eiffel Tower. In the end, dad stopped. And, you know, Welsh farmer, dad hasn't travelled massively, said to a local, you know, ooh, eh, la Eiffel Tower. And we said that several times. And everybody looked at us completely blankly until somebody... This little French guy just kind of turned us around and said, you know, pointed. There it is. There it is. That huge thing towering above you, you idiot people from Wales. So, yeah, we're trying. Was France the first place you went where you didn't speak the language? Or was there, that was the first immersion into, oh, we're going to have to navigate using our charades? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And what a weird experience the first time as a, as a child to suddenly realise that people don't understand you. You know, there's that assumption, isn't there, that all oh, languages are this, language. but to actually sit there and say, actually, I couldn't find my way to the toilet, even if I wanted to, you know, <laughs> that's quite difficult, isn't it? No, but it does force you to find other ways to get your message across. And usually wherever you are, you can find a way to make each other understood, even if you don't have the words in common kind of thing. Yeah, now Japan, tricky, because tricky. of the... the, the the writing is so alien, isn't it? Not just Japan. No, but I was really surprised when I went to Japan that it's there's that sense of initially being overwhelmed by, oh my God, I can't understand anything. But when you stop and think, oh no, there's an English translation right next to it. They're actually very well equipped to help people who don't speak or read Japanese to navigate around, especially like on places like their underground and stuff like that. Oh, well, I take it back because I I didn't know that was the case. No, but I went, when you were there, when? No, no, I haven't been there. 
Ah, no, you're just I, talking as an expert on Japan. Absolutely, <laughs> which is what I tend to do. I, no, I work for the Japanese a lot and dealt with lots of people coming back from Japan who had trouble. Shout out to Fujifilm. <laughs> yeah, indeed, Fuji TV, who had trouble communicating and talked about the traffic signs and you know just getting their way around. But however, maybe. It, that it might have changed because, yeah, I'm oh, I'm trying to think when the first time I went, probably over 10 years, maybe around 10 or 15 years ago. But certainly like in cities, like in the big cities, Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, whatever, that it, there's a lot of information coming at you straight away, which is a really hard to get your head around. But it everywhere is actually really easy to navigate because there is English in everything kind of thing. When yeah, you go back no. to Japan, do you think? Oh, definitely. It's an amazing place. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. are there any places that you want to go that you don't speak the language in? Oh, well, that's pretty much every country that doesn't speak English at the moment. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> my language skills are not great. Um, but I'd like to, you know, I haven't, there's more of Asia I still would like to do. Um, but again, most places you can get by with just a bit of enthusiasm and a smile. So I don't find language too intimidating, even though I'm rubbish at it. Yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. I'm a bit the same, I think. I think if you can get around and have a little, you know, have a little smile with people, have a cheers as you raise your glass with people, you'll go, it goes a long way. (laughs) I was visiting a friend in um, Hungary recently and he's Swedish and he married into a Hungarian family and he took me for lunch at his mother-in-law's house to pick up this his daughters. This is a complicated story I, already. <laughs> so, but so the the mother only spoke Hungarian. The children only spoke Hungarian or Swedish, and I only spoke English. And and as my friend doesn't really speak Hungarian either, so it was just a lot of cheersing of palinka. And like, <laughs> I was very drunk by the end time I left that lunch. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing. When there's nothing coming out of your mouth, you have to put something back in it. So mm, Delicious. <laughs> well, that's the end of this episode. We'll be back again soon with more travel tales and travel inspiration. And if you'd like to share your travel adventures with us here at Wondercast, we'd love that. So please do get in touch. You can find Gareth on Twitter at GTV London. And we're actually going to get an Instagram page going, aren't we, G? Because <laughs> you're a bit dark on socials at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I think when he says dark, he means stupid. But yeah, that is true. No, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But yeah, we'll get better at it. So that'll be ready for next time. Okay, so thanks, everybody. It's been really, really nice to have you with us. And as we say in Wales, Hoyle Vower. Goodbye. See you soon. Mm-hmm.